switch over. Uh, if you are with us this morning, uh, we have been uh, walking through the armor of God in the book of Ephesians, and this week we are on the shoes of peace in Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have a Bible or a uh, smartphone that you can open up to a Bible, and if you need a Bible, we have some at the welcome table that you could grab uh, if you need one. Um, but we are going to continue here in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, well, when I was in high school, there was this thing, uh, I might date myself a little bit, um, but it was uh, AOL Instant Messenger. Anyone use AOL Instant Messenger? Just a few of you. Everyone else is like, what's that? It's kind of like really lame Snapchat. Uh, but you could only do it on your computer, right? And so it was this thing where all of a sudden we could communicate with one another outside of school. And my uh, instant messenger name, this is going to be a little embarrassing, but I'm going to share it anyway, you know, act of humility. My uh, instant messenger name was Head of Fire 28. It was like so cool. Come on. It was awesome. But one of the important questions of instant messenger was like, hey, what's appropriate to do over instant messenger now? Like, can you initiate a relationship over instant messenger? Or does that have to be done in person? Because for a like super scared high school boy, that was, it was way easier to do it over instant messenger, right? Or, or maybe more importantly, could you end a relationship over instant messenger? Or did that have to be done in person? That, was, that should have been done in person. But they seem like funny questions. But actually, right now, after a pandemic, the idea of, hey, what messages can we communicate virtually, and what things need to be done in person? What things need to be embodied? Don't we long, over the last two years, we've been longing for an embodied message, something that we can communicate with someone face-to-face rather than over a computer screen. Well, the gospel message is an embodied message. God the Father sent his Son, the exact imprint of his nature, in person, an embodied message of good news of the end of the curse on humanity, of the end of our conflict with God. Peace with God is now available. And in the age of the internet and instant news and messages sent across the globe, it's easy to believe that all messages are available everywhere to anyone who wants them. But the gospel is an inherently embodied message. And so it needs to be carried person to person. It needs to be carried in this same way as it was given to us. And so this morning we want to talk about how it is that we can be ready to experience, embody, and extend this good news of peace to the world. So Ephesians chapter 6 Uh, As we've been walking through this, I'm going to read the whole passage again like we've been doing. Uh, So Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. 
for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. That's where we're going to focus our attention this morning. And this, this translation here from the New Living Translation is actually pretty good. It's kind of a clunky sentence. It's like, put on the, for shoes, put on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, right? Or the good news, or the, the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The, the language here is trying to anticipate that you are going to put on something that's going to get you ready for what's coming. That you're going to be ready and prepared. And that thing that you're putting on is the peace of the gospel. This good news message. And that's really what the gospel is. It is good news of peace. Jesus has come and accomplished something. And now you are going to put on something that will prepare you for whatever Satan and all of his army has against you and prepare you to extend this good news to the world. You're going to put on this piece of the good news. And so, first, in order to put this on, you have to experience the peace of God vertically. We have to experience the peace of God vertically, and then we need to embody the peace of God horizontally, and then we need to extend the peace of God to the world. So first, we need to experience this peace of God vertically. Romans 5, Paul says this in Romans 5, speaking of the peace of God. He says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Jesus is our peace. The hostility between us and God is gone because of the work of Jesus. This is good news. Friends, this is very, very good news. Now, this good news that there is now peace means that there has to have been a problem that disrupted the peace, right? In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and he created them in perfect fellowship with himself. And rather than maintaining that perfect fellowship, they did what you and I would do in the exact same situation. They said, no thanks, I will be God, and I will determine my own path, and plunged humanity into sin. And now, we continue in that same vein, right? All the time. Doing what God has told us not to do in thought, word, and deed, and not doing what God has told us to do, even though he's told us very plainly, we just don't do it because we don't want to and we want to go our own way. We want to be God. And so that means that there is conflict between us, a sinful people, and God who is holy and righteous, right? All throughout the Bible, God is described as loving and kind and long-suffering and holy and righteous and pure. So pure that he cannot come in contact with sin, right? He is light and sin is darkness. Light and darkness do not just like come together and then like, you know, they're just sort of there together. No, light covers up darkness. Light eradicates darkness. So if we are to come into God's presence... We are to come to be eradicated, 
apart from God doing something. God doing something radical. And this is the good news that's promised all throughout the scriptures and that Jesus himself comes to accomplish that there is now peace with God. You can be in a right relationship with God. You can come near to him because Jesus forgives sin and makes us righteous before God. Because Jesus bore God's wrath on the cross for your sins and mine. Because he took all of that sin upon himself and then granted to us his perfect righteousness, right? We talked about this last week, what justification is. That, Jesus, or that God declares us to be righteous, not based upon what we have done, but based upon what Jesus has done. This is why there is good news of peace. Because Jesus has brought us near. And there is no longer conflict with God. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not trusting in Jesus and him alone, this is the good news that I would declare to you. That there's a way for you to be made right with the God of the universe. There's a way to have peace with God. And it is by faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Romans 5, what did he say? He said, God, we have been made right in God's sight by faith. And so we have peace with God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. That's what this is. If you are trusting in Jesus and him alone, you now stand in a place of undeserved privilege. You now stand with access to the God of the universe who flung the stars in place and knows them by name he now is at peace with you. You can come to his presence anytime to talk with him. You are welcomed as his child. He has made you 100% righteous in his sight. As though you have never disobeyed, and not only as though you have never disobeyed, but as though you have always obeyed perfectly. This is the radical good news of the gospel. Friends, this is the good news. What we've been talking about throughout this series, right, in having the armor of God, is that we always need to be reminded of these things. We need to remember that we have peace with God. The first step to putting on the readiness of the peace of God that comes in the gospel is to not forget this message. Put it on like shoes, Always be ready with the knowledge of the peace of God that you have through the gospel. Always be ready. Don't leave your house without knowing that this is what is for you, right? Just like putting on your shoes every morning, you need to remember and to put on yourself the peace that now comes with the gospel. So much of our conflict in the world with Satan is Reminding ourselves of the truth as Satan tries to convince us of lies, right? We talked about this with the belt of truth. Reminding ourselves that no, I'm not at enmity with God. God is not my enemy. He's on my side because of the work of Jesus. How would your life function differently if you experienced this peace with God vertically every day in an intimate way? Every moment that you walk into something, and you are feeling the pressure of your past, 
Someone's reminding you of something that you've done before. Satan whispers to you that you're not worthy, that you're not loved, that you're not acceptable. How are you going to remind yourself? You need to remind yourself that no, Jesus died in my place so that I have an advocate before the Father and I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have peace with God. We are not in conflict. And if I have peace with God, if God is on my side, then as Paul says in Romans 8, who can be against me? Who could possibly be against me if the God of the universe is on my side? This is why this good news will make you ready for the world. If I have peace with God, nothing else can disrupt it. I need to remember this peace. Well, once we begin to experience this peace vertically, we need to embody that peace horizontally. Paul has been speaking about this all the way throughout the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2, he says this in 11 through 17. Remember, because we got to continue, right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is really about this vertical peace that we have with God, like Romans 5 talked about, right? And a lot of us stop there. We stop there and we say, we have experienced the good news of the gospel. We've been redeemed by Jesus. Awesome. See you guys later. I don't want to have anything to do with you folks. And Paul's like, that's half a gospel. Because the gospel accomplishes more than just that. So we have to embody this horizontally. All right, Ephesians 2, 11 through 17 says this. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You, exclude, you were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. This incredible vertical peace that God has offered to us in Jesus also is horizontal peace. Purchased by the exact same thing at the exact same time, right? The cross of Jesus Christ kills the hostility between us and God and kills the hostility between us and each other. And if it kills the hostilities between Jews and Gentiles, which in the biblical worldview are the only two major groups of people, right? There's Jews, God's chosen people, and Gentiles, everyone else. And there's lots of divisions among Gentiles. But if God has brought those two groups together who could not be brought together apart from God doing something, apart from God changing the requirements of what it means to become a part of the people of God, apart from God doing something to kill the hostility between Jew and Gentile, 
It could not have happened. And if God has done that, then it is crazy for Christians who are all Gentiles. Most of us in this context are all Gentiles, according to the scriptures. It's crazy for Gentiles to divide against Gentiles because God has broken down the wall of hostility. God has done it. He has made peace. We need to embody this peace in the church. And to do so is to pursue unity in diversity together as God's people. Right? Jew and Gentile together means that God is at work as we talk about all the time here, right? From beginning to end of the scriptures, God is at work in bringing a diverse people into his family. And the church ought to embody that in every place we exist for God's glory. And to, do, to not do so, when we don't embody this, we miss out on what the gospel is doing. Right? We only get half a gospel if all we talk about is that you can individually be made right with God. We are missing out on what Jesus has accomplished for us. Because he's accomplished more than that, not less than that, right? That is glorious, right? We just talked about it for a long time. It is glorious good news. But that's not it. You were not purchased by the blood of Jesus to then be like transported individually from here to glory to be with Jesus and by yourself, right? You were purchased into a new family to embody the peace of God together, So that we would reflect what the new heavens and new earth is going to look like. When we look at the church today, does it look like the new heavens and new earth? Does it look like we're embodying the peace of God? As we divide and fight over things? As we allow politics and culture and the things of the world to get in the way of the gospel message and us being united as a family? as we refuse to admit our historical sins, to work to repair relationships across people groups, we don't look like the new heavens, new earth. Part of the way in which we, I believe, moving forward in this culture at this time, are going to share the gospel message is by simply being the people of God together. We have a unique opportunity. The world is incredibly divided, is incredibly polarized. Everything is a lightning rod issue. And we have an incredible opportunity simply to be people of peace together as this body and then extend that as Christians throughout the world. And people are going to say, what the heck is going on? Right? That's the same that happened in the first century. Right? When Remember, we went through the book of Acts, and when Paul's in Ephesus, where he's writing this letter to, everyone gathers together, right? And there's this big riot because all the, uh, the uh, artisans are like, wait a second, all, all of our, the idols that we make aren't going to be worshipped anymore. We've got a problem here. We've got a problem with this new people, and we don't know what to do with them. Also, we don't even know what to call them, Right? Right? They're eventually called Christians, but we didn't even know what to call them. You know why? Because they were made up of all kinds of people. There was no way to categorize them. They were just these like, well, that's weird. Why would slaves and masters hang out together? Why would rich and poor be together? 
Why would Jews and Gentiles be together? Right? Is that really what we look like? Because pretty often you could go to a church, walk in and decide, I think I could actually come up with maybe like three or four other sociological categories that would define this group of people. That you'd probably all hang out together because your politics are the same or your race is the same or your economic status is the same. And we might be able to divide them up that way rather than that you all worship Jesus. One of the ways that we are defined as those who worship Jesus is that we extend peace across lines where there is currently hostility. We've got to embody that. We've got to extend that. If God has made you an enemy, now a child, you can now forgive and make an enemy a brother or sister. The gospel message can actually do that. The blood of Jesus is powerful enough to save you from your sin and to save you from hating someone else. It actually can do that. To do that, we're going to need humility. We're going to need to be humble, to admit our flaws, to admit our faults. We're going to need to take risks to expose who we are to one another. We're going to need to honor the dignity of those who are made in God's image, meaning every person on the planet. We're going to need to listen to each other. We're going to need to repent often and then repent again. Because what happens with a bunch of folks, like the reason this happens isn't surprising, right? The new heavens, new earth isn't here yet, which means, sorry, I love you guys, but you're still sinners, right? We're all still sinners, meaning we're going to sin against each other. Why do you think we divide? Because we sin against each other, right? That's going to happen. And the way forward is not perfection, but repentance. Repenting quickly and loving one another. Engaging in life together. As we do that as this body, we can then affect the whole world. Now that sounds like, you know, super lofty language, but guys, we read through the book of Acts, right? This letter is written to an individual church, probably a group of house churches in this city, not a mega church, right? It doesn't take these glorious grand acts for God to work. It's actually in really simple things. It's in us refusing to allow the world to divide us and us pursuing peace and justice and what God wants, regardless of what anyone else says, right? It's us actually embodying that and then calling others to embody that and it snowballing into what the church ought to be. But before we extend that out to anyone else, we got to deal with us, right? Right? Before we extend the peace of God to anyone else, we've got to experience it vertically and we have to embody it horizontally in this place, right? So before we, right, this is the challenge of our current age. Before you send out a tweet criticizing the church across the globe, let's make sure you're not divided against your brother or sister in this place. All right? Before we jump to something going on somewhere else, let's deal with this. Let's embody the peace of God horizontally here so that when we extend the gospel, we extend it genuinely. Finally, 
we do need to extend this peace of God outwardly, which means we're going to call people into horizontal relationship with us and vertical relationship with God. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Do you hear that? We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we say, when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. No matter what you think or say, if you're a Christian, you are God's ambassador to the world. You represent Jesus to people. You will represent Jesus to people. They don't get to see him face to face yet, but they get to see you who know him, who experience this peace of God vertically, who gather together with God's people and experience the peace of God horizontally. You are God's ambassador to the world, which means we need to actually look like Jesus when we share the good news right? We need to do so in love. You cannot share good news as a jerk, right? Like good news inherently and being a jerk are two different things. But sometimes we get that confused. We see the world as enemies against us rather than as those who are potential objects of redemption by Jesus. That's what Paul immediately before this said, right? No longer do we look at the world from our worldly eyes, but we look at the world from God's eyes. Meaning he created all people and he is redeeming the world through Jesus. How often do we encounter people in this world who are difficult and broken and hard and sinful and we get frustrated because they're in our way? How often did Jesus experience frustrating, broken, vulnerable, difficult, sinful people? And that's just his disciples, let alone the crowds, right? And how did he respond? With compassion. With compassion. Because they were sheep without a shepherd. We need to come in love to the world with the peace of God. It's ironic, isn't it, that the metaphor that Paul is using is one of a soldier. And what are you going to put on for shoes? The peace of God. The war's already over. It's been won. We're literally just going out and saying, guys, it's over. Jesus already won. He already redeemed everything. He's already at work. Enmity with God is finished. Come, come home to the king. That's what we get to declare over and over again. This is good news, friends. And we get to share this good news. We get to extend this good news. And we extend this good news first to people. 
People made in God's image need to hear the good news of the gospel. And they need to hear it in an embodied way. We can actually extend that to other people. Meaning you have to actually know and care about and make friendships with people who don't know Jesus. They're not scary, right? You can actually just make friends. You guys know how to do this, right? It's not like adding something new to your life. Just in your regular rhythms of life, be kind to others, right? It sounds crazy, but I feel like teaching Christian ethics has gotten way easier because the world has gone insane and the church has like jumped in with them. It's like, it's like Sunday school level stuff, right? This is, children's church isn't happening, so kids, listen up. Be kind to other people, right? Adults, listen in. Be kind to other people. Be kind. You will have opportunities to share the gospel if you are just a kind person. Because there's very few kind people in the world these days. Everyone's angry about something. And you have good news. You can show up, be kind, and care about someone. Everyone is lonely and broken and frustrated and distressed. The more we're connected, the more lonely we are. The more we have access to incredible things, the more anxious we become. So you can step in and just care about someone. Ask them about their life, their day. Ask them about their family. Ask them about their hopes and dreams. And you will get an opportunity to share the gospel. So we share the gospel with people. We also share the gospel with our culture. Being good news people and not jerks, right? Don't put on the shoes of smugness or conflict. This is what, we should, be, what should be pervasive for what we're known for, right? Not known for engaging in a culture war. No, be ready to run into the culture with the peace and the good news of the gospel. Embodying the gospel, right? And as we do this, as we share the good news of peace with people and with our culture, it will upend the systems of this world. The good news of peace should disrupt the violent systems of this world that seek for division, hate, and evil. As the church extends its reach, evil should retreat. That hasn't always been the case, but it should be. The pursuit of peace and justice and unity. We should fight against the impulse to divide and to bring bad news and instead replace that with the readiness to forgive and bring good news and peace. Because God has done an amazing thing. God has made a way for you to be reconciled with himself and with his people for all eternity. So let's make this place, by God's spirit, a little foretaste of the new heavens, new earth. Now, we have to put this in context with what we talked about last week, right? The only way you can do this is with a righteousness that's not your own. Because we stink at this. Which is why we repent 
and remember, Jesus has already done it for us. We have his righteousness. We can now be conformed to the righteousness that is already ours in Jesus. We can become more and more like Jesus because he's already done it. So let's lean into the power of the Holy Spirit, praying for God to transform us so that we would be more and more like Jesus and extend the peace of God to this city and to the world. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you now and we do pray for your help. We need your grace. We can't do this on our own. We are constantly dividing one another. We are constantly pushed to run away from each other than, rather than to each other. And Jesus, we need your help. We need your peace to prevail. Jesus, would you be at work in us? Would you remind us of your peace? Would you help us extend it, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.